ask that our hearts may be in tune with the shepherd of Israel. Let's ask him to lead us through the hearing of the word this morning, shall we? Dear Lord, we want to thank you so much that you are the shepherd of Israel. We thank you, Lord, that you lead us, Joseph, like a flock. Lord, we thank you. We are asking you, O Lord, the one who dwells between the cherubim, shine forth, come to us, we pray, and minister your word. Would you cause your light to shine upon the page, and would you reveal the sacred word to us? We pray as our brother Guy speaks that your anointing would be upon his speaking and upon all our hearing. And Lord, we will give you all the praise and all the glory for hearing this, our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Bless you, my brother. Over to you. Morning, everyone. Morning. Praise the Lord. Usually, I have problems with my uh, finding titles for my messages. It seems that it's going worse now, because now <laughs> I'm struggling with the introduction now. It seems that I'm having many, a lot of options and uh, sometimes not knowing where to start. We trust the Lord will lead us. Let's pray again, please. Heavenly Father, we bless you this morning once again, Lord. You are worthy to be praised, to be thanked, and to be exalted, Lord Almighty God. For you have redeemed us, O Lord God. You have forgiven us, O Lord. This is your home, this is your house. You are the head of the body and the master of the house. We bless you, Lord Almighty God, for keeping us safe in the security of your faithfulness. We exalt you in your house, and we pray that the Holy Spirit of the living God will lead us this morning unto your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay, let's start with a short reading. Oh, the title of the message. Personal Revival, A New Spirit in a New Heart. That's the topic for today. So let's read from Romans, just two verses from Romans chapter 12, please. Romans 12, verse 1 to 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do not be conformed to this world by be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
There is a transformation going on. Whether you believe in God or no, not. <laughs> there is a transformation going on either way. There are competing philosophies, argument, high things that exalt themselves, seek to exalt themselves above the knowledge of God. They are transforming and shaping people's mind, people's way of thinking. And we are commanded not to be conformed to that way of transformation, but to be transformed by the Holy Spirit. That's the only way we can be able to prove, to discern the will of God in these end times. So there is something going on. There are competing philosophies going on. And they are really shaping people's way of thinking. You've heard about the pseudoscience of mindfulness. It's becoming the norm now. It's really shaping the way people are thinking. No one thinks anymore about the transformation of their heart. No one thinks anymore about calling on God for the inward transformation because everyone can DIY, do it yourself. Everyone can transform himself. Everyone can shape and predict and change their own futures. Who need God? Though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk according to the flesh, says the Lord. They are competing arguments. I've said that already. Now, the word mind, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word mind is the problem today. Is the problem. Because in the Jewish tradition, in the Old Testament, the word that is mostly used for mind is heart. And sometimes spirit of man. And sometimes heart. You know, when the Lord says, I think in Matthew 5, 8, uh, blessed are the pure in heart. It's the same definition for mind. And sometimes they are interchangeable. Sometimes David prayed for his mind and heart in the same verse. And we are called to love God with all our heart, mind, spirit, and strength, and soul, all of it, sometimes interchangeable. But it means the inward, the real us inside. The inward person that God wants to seek to transform. I told you that I was having issues with introductions. Because the other day we taught on the book of Job and I told you that we had pushed back the book of Revelation for next time and now we've pushed it back again but we've taken some introduction from it. In the book of Revelation, those who have an ear are commanded to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Now, for the first quarter of this year, there has been a consistent theme running through all the teaching we've received in this church, whether from David Fellows, David Donovan, Brother Gerard or Pastor John, 
it's all been all about personal revival, which comes from a renewed fellowship with God, a new heart for godly service, in order to allow a real spiritual impact both on our own lives and on the church. Now, during our first night prayer, is it night prayer or prayer night? Whatever. Okay, thank you. I'm reassured. So, during our first night prayer meeting here, which was attended by a good 16 people, praise God, the church prayed for personal revival, which comes with a renewed heart for a true obedience and total submission to the Lord. I apologize beforehand because you will hear a lot about renewed, renewed, renewed. That's what it is all about. Renewed spirit in us, renewed heart, etc. On the 31st of March 19, this year, David Fellows reminded us that nothing is hidden from God. He taught extensively from 1 Samuel verse chapter 18 and 19 and explain souls, that King Saul, and justify hatred against David. He reminded us how Michael, that's David's wife, Saul's daughter, despised the king and his servant, and as a consequence, remained unfruitful, could not have a child to the day of her death. David Fellows concluded, despising others' worship and commitment to God can bring unfruitfulness. Paul says, be my imitators as I myself imitate Christ. We cannot imitate someone else's call or calling, but we can imitate their perseverance in the Lord. That's why we have that list on the Hall of Fame, so that we can imitate the perseverance and learn from them. The calling is unique, but we can learn from one another moving forward. It's not a solo life. It's fellowship, one body sharpening one another, learning from one another as we move forward. Otherwise, we won't be able to discern what the Spirit is saying to the church. I've just told you that for the past quarter, the Spirit is talking to this church with one single theme, personal revival, which begin with a renewed heart a work that is spirit-inspired for the Lord God. That's where it starts. Now, we hear a lot about revival, etc., but that's a different concept of revival. The revival starts with our position before God. Now, to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches, is repeated many times in the book of Revelation. Sorry for folks who attend our house group. There might be some repeat here. 
for every single church, in fact, for five out of the seven, because two of them were ticked off, correct? That's the church of Smyrna and Philadelphia. But all the rest, the five ones, there was what I call a missing dimension. I have this against you. Or a missing dimension. And that is what God is after in your life and my life this morning. What do I mean by that? Well, the church of Ephesus has been referred to as a loveless church. But look carefully. In our house group, I ask a question. Is it a loveless church or a steadfast church? Because the Lord seems to agree with a lot of what they're doing. A lot. Serious, important, cool stuff. Like rejecting false prophets. Hating the works of the Nicolaitan. Nicolaitans, sorry. And uh, testing the false teachers. And they're doing a lot of good work. Which God is quite happy with that. It's okay. And then the Lord say, however. I have this against you, that you have forsaken your first love. Mm. And people have concluded that it's a loveless church. It's not. They had fallen from the level of love they were before. What is the remedy? What does the Lord say? Number one, Remember where you have fallen. Repentance and revival start with remembering. Realization. Where have I been wrong? Where has the fellowship with God been broken? But you see with the church in Ephesus, they continue to do good works. And the Lord approved that. It's okay. They refute the rebuke false prophet. It was all good. They know apologetic discernment ministries as we call them today. They knew all that. And the Lord say, however, I have this against you. First, remember the heart, the height of love from where you have fallen. That's number one. Number two, repent. Number three, act. Do the work. Okay, put things right with me and then continue what you're doing. Otherwise, your works are going like this, but the spiritual quality is not following. Quantity is going, but the quality, the spiritual value is shrinking. And I'm not in there. Come back, return. Remember, repent, and act. You see, repentance and putting things right with God Begin by realizing where we've gone wrong. Think about this. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is the one in the book of Revelation who holds the seven stars in his hand, that is his servant, the messengers, the leaders, referred to as angels. But he also walks among the seven lampstands. And he reveals to us that the lampstand represents the churches. And then he's telling the churches, if you do not go by me, 
I will remove your lampstands. Your calling, everything I have deposited in you in order for me to make my name known and glorified through you, I will remove that. Do we want to be there? No. To the church of Thyatira, there is what I call, maybe not quite accurate, but I put it like that to you, a shared responsibility between God and that church and the leaders of that church. Well, I know people will say, oh no, the problem was Jezebel in that church. Jezebel was the Lord's problem. The Lord was going to deal with Jezebel. He said that. But the problem in that church was that they allowed Jezebel to do that. Because you've allowed that woman who calls herself prophetess to do ta 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 ta. So the problem for the church was not the presence of Jezebel and what she was doing. Because the Lord God would soon punish her and judge her for that. But it was a corporate responsibility and the leaders for knowingly allowing her to do that. And to cause the leaders and the church to be defiled. And grow in iniquity and unholiness. That was the problem in that church. So you see, for every church... The Lord has a spiritual trait, if I may put it like that for you. Think about that. What do you think the Lord thinks about us here as a church? I'm not only talking about negative things here. You see, to the church of Philadelphia and Smyrna, there was nothing to say but the Lord had a word of encouragement for them. So there's always something to say in your life, in my life, even when we write with the Lord. The Lord says, carry on, continue. Do you understand? So those letters are not just about negative things. Yes, the Lord rebukes, but he also encouraged. For the church of Philadelphia was commanded for holding fast to the word of perseverance. And the Lord promised that he will keep them for the trial, the time of persecution and trial that was to come because they held on to the word of perseverance. So there is always something, even when everything is okay with the Lord, hear what the Spirit is telling the church. I suppose for us, the Lord is saying, I will revive you individually and the church will benefit and I will work amongst you. His purpose. Let us be ready. Listen, be ready and willing to have the Lord have his own way in our lives. Well, you may be looking left and right and say, I don't think God can use me. God can do this. Well, God can. Why are you using me?
More recently, that was on the 14th of April, still this year, David Donovan identified at least four ways of surrendering to God. You see, the Lord wants total surrender to him. And David taught us at least four of them he had identified. The first one, he called that lips surrendering, which is very superficial, and there's no real capitulation. These are the hearers who do not put the word into practice. Lips. Second, conditional surrendering which is deciding our own things and then calling on God to join in our will. These are rebellious and self-willed people. Third, he called that untested surrendering, where there is a real a desire to serve, but there is also a contradiction between the confession and the genuineness of faith. There is a contradiction. Yes, there is some motivation, but there is a contradiction. Remember Peter? Well, if everyone forsake you, I won't. And then afterward, three denial. He denies the Lord straight away. And tested. Then you have the absolute surrendering that is from a settled heart which is prepared to obey to God whatever the cost at any cost. The perfect example is the son's submission to the Lord, to the Father. That's our benchmark. That's our standard. We're living toward that standard. We're not perfect. We won't be perfect, but one day we will, we will be when we see him, who we shall see as he is when we see him on that day. But we learn to submit to God progressively. We do not go back like dogs returning to things they vomit, but we progress. Remember what I told you the other day? We are the sheep, and the Lord says, the sheep hear his voice, and they will by no means follow a straight. Do you know what sheep means in Greek? pro baton, Pro, before. Pro-battle, walking forward firmly. That's what it means. Not dogs that go back, but sheep that goes and follow the shepherd who is before us. Then we also had our dear brother Gerard from this congregation here, who taught us on the need for a renewed heart. A heart that is discerning of the Lord's will and purpose. The need for a heart that perceives things in the same way the Lord does, which results in an active life inspired by God. Still in this church, in the first quarter, we had all this. And then during that night prayer, John exhorted, that's Pastor John here, he get embarrassed as many pastors in this country when we call them pastor. So I get embarrassed as well to say, John, but okay. We agree to disagree on that. <laughs> so, John exalt, exalted extensively on our desperate need to let the Lord search our heart 
and change it for his glory. And we prayed for that. And yesterday at the Messianic gathering, still Pastor John, he identified three key elements for a godly service. Number one, a godly service is the one that is initiated by God himself. Anything else is vanity. Secondly, he says that work must be done according to the order set by God himself. And the example he gave was this. And I want you to say amen to this. My house will be a house of worship and music. No. House of? That's the order. That's the order God has set. My house is the house of prayer. Everything else follow flow from that. That's the reason why we were 16 good numbers that day. Praise the Lord for that. And we have less people when we do parties. And the third key element he identified was that that work must be done by and through the Holy Spirit. Initiated by God according to his order by the Holy Spirit. So, that's the theme. And today's teaching is not an exception to that. <laughs> Will not depart from that move. A desperate call on God to renew the spirit in our hearts. So this message is essentially a recapitulation. A lot of repeats from what you've heard already here. Because I'm drawing from all that and to remind ourselves the same thing. Second reading. Please turn with me to Psalm chapter 51. Psalm 51. <clears throat> From verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, Blot out my transgressions. Verse 2. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Please move to verse 7. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me Hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Key verses, verse 10, which is the title of this message. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. 
and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Do we want to be fruitful? Let the Lord first deal with our condition, our hearts. Remember the church in Ephesus I've just mentioned there? The discrepancy, disconnection between the amount of work and the state of spiritual position before God. The Lord wants to do that work. Remember, this is David talking. This is David. This is the son of Jesse, a man after God's own heart. And the Lord said, to do all my will. That's David praying like that. It's not being less Christian. It's not being carnal to confess, to repent, to remember where we've gone wrong and come back before it's too late. Now, all these are spirit-inspired words from King David. When? After the Lord had sent Nathan the prophet to reveal, to expose David for what he had done. With Bathsheba and murdering Uriah, is that how you pronounce it? Uriah. Uri. Okay. And David was deeply convicted by his sin and then he poured this torrent of penitence before God. Do you know why? David understood that there was no point. Even thinking of animal sacrifice at that point. Useless. Remember we are in the Old Testament. He could have offered up sacrifice. He said, no, Lord, you did not desire that. It's a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart you desire. David understood that. The root problem is just being exposed. The reality of his heart was now exposed. No way out. Lord, deal with this. Come right from me. Lord, if you do not deal with this, I will do worse. The root problem was his heart. No need to divert the issue with service and prayer and intercession and this and that. No. Bring the heart before God. He says it. But David says, know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. Try me and know my anxieties. See what I am exactly in me. See my thoughts. Not the appearance, but the reality inside. Try me and lead me in the way everlasting. Bring me back. I'm now in Psalm 139, verse 23 to 24. That's David. Search me and know my heart. Try me, Lord, and know my anxiety. What is the reality in me? 
Yes, I'm singing, I'm worshiping, but what is the reality? What are my secret thoughts inside, O oh Lord? Deal with that. That is consistent with what the Lord had revealed to his prophet Jeremiah 17, 9 to 10. The heart is, you know that. Is it wicked? I'm taking the last bit. Thank you very much. Oh, that's a good pastor. The heart is not just wicked, desperately wicked. Desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's desperation, folks. That's quite serious. Well, I'm preaching, but you don't know my heart. You may not even know why I'm preaching. God knows. Nothing is hidden. Do you know that the Lord even says, let us not do things through selfish ambition? Who can know that in the congregation, if not God himself? The Lord speaks of loneliness, loneliness of mind, because that's what God says that carries an eternal value, humble heart before In that sense, David was a man after God's own heart. He said, when I kept quiet, my bones were being consumed. He was suffering inside. Lord, do something about it. You know, until the Lord provided and sent someone. David did not say, no. <sighs> Repentance straight away. No resistance. A broken man. You see, one of the needs in us today we are not broken enough. Okay. Let's move on. A contrite spirit you know what that means? A contrite spirit? In other words, a collapsed spirit. We cascade, that's the opposite of collapse. We have cascade spirit. Now, collapse completely, desperate, complete submission before God. The Lord God delights in that. And he's given us everything that pertains to life and to godliness. And he stepped us off. Forgive one another. Love one another. Blessed do not curse. A believer's mouth is for blessing, not for cursing. Do you know what blessing means? Maybe it's different to know what blessing is. In the house group, I ask my friends, to give me ideas of what cursing means. We had a lot of ideas of what cursing someone means. And after all that list, I say now take the opposite of that, that's blessing. 
You know, in the book of Psalm, repeatedly we are asked to bless the name of the Lord, which we do every time here. We praise the Lord. We exalt his name. We express our love for him. We even wish that everybody was saved. Wishing, saying good things. The expression of what is in our heart expressed for our mouth. If it's evil, that's cursing. If it's good, that's blessing. And we are called not to curse, but to bless. A believer sh should not curse another believer. Even any other person. Why would a believer curse? Curse! Someone in whom Christ lives. How is that possible? Love one another so that the world will know that you are my disciple. You should not wish disaster. You should not wish a bad thing on another believer. Nor should we on any other person. But in, case, in terms of the order, the Lord says, as long as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all, but first to those of the household of God. How can you curse a child of God? The Lord is dealing with something here. You see, there is a temptation to say, I've done this for so many years. Lord, you know me. You know my love for you. You know whatever. In the church of Ephesus, do you know what the Lord said? It starts by saying, I know that. Don't remind me. I know your work. I know your apologetics. I know all that. But I have this against you. One thing, not two, not three. Let us run with endurance, laying aside every weight and the one. Not the sins, one. The sins, the one that ensnares us so easily. That's the one the Lord is want to touch in our lives. Yes, we're doing well in prayer and something, but there's one missing dimension. That's the one the Lord wants to touch on, to help us, to perfect us unto his glory. I have this against you. David had, David had learned the hard way. He had entertained that in his heart. That has been now exposed. That one. And he learned the fear of the Lord. The Lord wants to change us. The Lord wants to touch something. It doesn't matter what we've done for the Lord over years. What matters is now. Amen. Now. And moving forward with the Lord. Whether it's between husband and wife, etc. It applies to everybody. Remember when we taught on the Christ-likeness challenge? We spoke of renewed perception. It's all about perception. Wrong perception. We're not God. We can't just impute to other people just bad things. Because we think they are bad. That's guilty imputation. Irresponsible imputation. That's a perception. Only God can see people's hearts. But God is dealing with someone else 
but you also want to deal with me, myself. The problem is me. We are commanded to keep our heart with all diligence. Why? Because out of the heart springs that verse 23. Verse 24 start with what? Your mouth. So you see, whenever the Lord is dealing with the heart, there's always a link to That way you bless, that way you curse. In verse 24, Proverbs 3, the next verse speaks of deceitful mouth. Keep your heart, depart from deceitful mouth. Folks, we talk too much. Too much. Everyone is a biblical scholar. Everyone is God associates. Everyone can read everyone else's heart. What about myself before God? I am conscious as I'm talking that these are basic things for all of us. But I'm persuaded that they are important. That way all starts. Why should I hate a fellow believer? Why? Where is Christ? God is love. And he's put into our heart by the Holy Spirit. The same love? Are we despising that and replaced with the treasure? Do you know what a treasure means? Again, we ask in the Bible study what a treasure. I say, give me ideas of what you think a treasure is. Most of the people say Hidden. I say yes, but I'm looking for a specific word. Secret. Secret. The Bible says, from the abundance of the heart, a good man takes his treasure, speaks. Okay? From the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if we are full overflowing with the Holy Spirit and God things, according to Galatians 5.22, all those things are multiplying us. The Bible says they will not leave you idle. And they multiply those things and they bring fruit, fruit that are agreeable, that are good, acceptable to everybody and profitable for the body. If that is full in our hearts, then the mouth speaks out of that overflow. But where there is evil, the mouth speaks of the overflow. That's scary. Overflowing evil. You see? And you see someone speaking and cursing all the time repeatedly and gossiping and gossiping and cursing and hatred and all that. Repeatedly, permanently, and yet worshiping God, fake. Fake. Because it's not an isolated incident. If it's permanent, it is from an overflowing Heart. Well, that heart must be brought before God for a David say, wash me thoroughly. Thoroughly. Do not leave anything. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. There is a need to draw near to the Lord. 
and to have the Lord doing that deep cleansing, deep work in our hearts to remove any roots of bitterness, whether it's between husband and wife, friend, brothers and sisters, sibling, God can do that. This brings me to one or two examples. Many years ago, I was leading a house group in the Ivory Coast that is West Africa, and one of the members was a very good brother, and I noticed that after a while, he became a bit lukewarm, and I had a conversation with him. What's going on in your life? And he said this to me. He said, we lost our parents, dad and mom, we were very young. So we had our big brother here, who is a doctor, and he's been looking after the family. Now he got married. And because he got married, his wife is not allowing him to look after us. We are left alone. We are now suffering. And I begin to sin a lot in my thoughts because of that. I am so bitter because of that. In all fairness, I call that fair cause for bitterness. Some of them are fair, but the Lord wants to remove them nevertheless. Second example. In a seminar about the love of God and forgiveness, a good sister left her finger and asked the speaker, I need your advice. I had my fiancé for five years, he was studying at university, and I was baking. She was doing celebration cake to sell for weddings, etc. And all the proceedings, they were funding his studies and trainings. He completed his qualification and got a good job. It was time now to rejoice and to reap all the effort. And the man betrayed her, and he went to marry her best friend. And that lady stood up in the congregation to say, does the Bible have an answer for my hatred? I call that fair bitterness. But yes, God has an answer. And you may well have more than what I'm saying here. And I'm giving you the same answer. Yes, God can if you allow him. You see, people have issues, serious, proper issues in families, between friends, between husband and wife, a lot of... The Lord is able to help if we open and we tell him. He knows already, but David says, no, search me. Bring it to light. It's uncomfortable for me, but I want to discuss this with you, God, because you will be able to help me. A new spirit, a renewed spirit in a new heart. God can do that. That is the life of Christ. There is a cost. We are commanded to suffer a bit of injustice. It's okay. 
it's hurting, but the Bible says, why can't you suffer? A little bit of injustice is okay. Everybody wants to be right. Everybody wants to be vindicated right. Everybody. Nobody wants to be scratched. Yet the Bible says, why can't you? From a fellow brother with whom you'll spend eternity. Why can't you? For the sake of peace. In the family, in the congregation, why can't you just suffer? It's hurting. But for the sake of Christ, why can't you? No. Everybody wants to be right. We have very important expressions in this passage here. Words such as mercy. Mercy? I think it was uh, Brother Dion. He's called Dion, I think. He said when he preached here, probably in the same quote again, he said, grace is receiving what we don't deserve. And mercy is not receiving what we deserve. Well, you might know the original person who did that, but I'm quoting him because I heard it first from him. Mercy, wash me, cleanse me. I acknowledge my sin, purge me, deliver me. Broken heart, contrite spirit, clean heart. Wash me thoroughly. Those are the expressions we find. These are heavy stuff we find here. What's next? Okay. So who was David then? David was a man after God's own heart. In Acts 13, verse 22, God even says, to do all my will. David was chosen by God. It was God's choice to do all God's will. But this is the man who was praying like this. How much more? Me. In the Bible study, I ask people when Paul is saying, I run. And I say, if Paul is running, what shall we do? Fly. Here is another prayer from David. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and my heart. You see, now he combines mind and heart. Everything. Intellect. His soul. His heart. His thinking. His deep thought. Everything he wanted for God. I'm just reading. I'm skipping things I've said already. So... <clears throat> There is a direct link between what we hold in our hearts and what we speak. The Bible says every tree is known by its fruit. That's the context in which the Lord is speaking of the overflowing of the heart. That's the context. Unless you can stick plastic apples to a mango tree. <laughs> mango tree will produce mangoes. Well, we can fake. 
we can fake if we are good designers. We can do that. But it's not real. When you touch it, oh, plastic. <laughs> We're not supposed to do plastic surgeries as believers. The Bible speaks of the genuineness of our faith. That's what the Lord God is after. To be genuine before God and before our fellow brethren. It's very, very important. So, the good news for you and me today is that the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. That's what the Bible says. We want to see the hand of God. We want to see the blessing of the Lord. We want to see the approval of God. Let's come to him humbly. Humble yourself under his mighty hands. The Lord saves such as have a contrite spirit. Though the Lord inhabit eternity and is holy, he dwells in the high and holy place. He is also with those who have a contrite heart. Very close to those who have a broken spirit, a contrite heart. Those who desperately need the Lord God. He resists the proud. He gives mercy and grace to the humble. That's the Lord's character. Jesus Christ himself, the Lord said, he is gentle. He's humble of his heart. That's our standard. We have to be humble. It doesn't come naturally. We need God. There is no humility outside God. No. Well, there may be modesty, there may be simplicity, but humility is before God. And only he can produce that. Because if someone who does not believe in God pretend that he is humble, he is not because he cannot surrender his life to God. Because he cannot exalt God, that cannot be humility. Quick recap, we are commanded to bless one another and not to curse and not to wish bad things and disaster and catastrophe in French. We are commanded to let the mind of Christ be in us, Philippians 2. To do nothing out of selfish ambitions. We need to move from activists to ministry. You see, activists, I define as doing things. Anything. Do anything. That's activism. To be seen as doing anything. But that can be for selfish ambitions. We are commanded to serve God with a humble heart. He has to initiate the work according to his order and lead by his Holy Spirit. What is more? To do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. To esteem. Esteem. It's voluntary. Move. 
is to lower ourselves voluntarily and esteem anyone else as being a better Christian, whether in pretense or genuinely. It's okay. That's fine. Voluntarily. As an obedience to God that will resolve so many problems, including in household and in families between husband and wife. Just humility a little bit. That will help. We are called not to seek only our own interest, but also others. What's that song? Each other needs to prefer. Paying attention to what is going on around us. It's not all about me. Me. How are you today? Oh, how are you? Oh, how are you? Oh, now. The joy of the Lord should, can, and must be our joy, our strength, sorry. The joy of the Lord. You look at a brethren, you look at a sister, doesn't mean that we are trouble free. We walk, we live by faith, and we sow in tears. We all have struggles, some people more than others. But that's okay. Pay attention to what is going around you as well. Ask a brother how you doing. How was your week? Share heart. Be caring. It's not all about me. Well, that's it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Pastor John, may you lead us. Pray, lead us in a song, Purify My Heart, and pray to close the sermon. Thank you for your patience. And we repent, and we come back, Lord, to you. Yes. That, Lord, we may be partakers of your plans and your will and your work. Please, Lord. We bless your name, Lord, that you've brought us here from different backgrounds yes. and make us, Lord, the household of God, the same family. Hallelujah. We bless you, you and we are grateful for that. And yes. we thank you, Lord, for various ministries and talents, Lord, yes. and gifts you've brought in this place. Thank we are you, so Lord. grateful, Lord, and we want to benefit from one another. Amen. Nobody, Lord, to feel, Lord, left or mm. mm. ignored or ridiculed or despised, Lord. For you do not do that. Mm. We pray for every life here. Yeah. Strengthen us, Lord. Raise us up, Lord, according to your will and purpose, yes, Lord. Lord. As we move forward, as we await from heaven the blessed appearing mm. of Jesus Christ, Amen. the Son of God. Bless this church, Lord. Please, Keep Lord. us going, Lord. Yes. Build your church, Lord. Move yes. us forward, Lord, yes. by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Yes, we so. pray that, Lord, we fill us with the Holy Spirit. You baptize us with the Holy Spirit, Lord. Hallelujah. You renew us in the same, Lord. Amen. For your Hallelujah. name's sake, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. We Lord. pray for families here, Lord. Mm. We pray for brothers and sisters. We pray for brothers and brothers. We pray for parents and sons. We pray for everybody here, Lord. Mm. Nuclear and widespread families mm. that you bring revival, Lord. Amen. Amen. We pray for husband and wife, Lord, that we take up responsibilities mm. to lead our families according to God. Yeah. Remove, Lord, distraction, Lord. Yeah. 
Yes. Give us that focus, Lord, that you expect from us in these perilous times, O Lord Almighty yes. God. Please, Lord. It is written people will be lovers of pleasures mm. rather than lovers of God. Right. Deliver us, O Lord God. Yes. Lord. Draw our attention, Lord, and focus on you. Yes. Please, that we Lord. may love your fellowship. Amen, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Yes. And we love you, Lord. Yes. We and we do, give Lord. you all the glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Yes, Lord. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you. Amen.